Hi, I'm Tamara. Welcome to Real Conversations, recorded in Dauphin, Manitoba. Our community is fueled by agriculture and food production. And today we have Farmer John of Crooked Creek Farms joining the show. We are talking about holistic farming and his hopes for his seeded fall rye crop, the state of winter wheat this spring, and expectations for the season. Thank you to our sponsors, Banquet Marketing, Dr. Brenna and Three Graces Medispa, Real Security Solutions, Roofs Furniture and Appliances of Dauphin, Oil Depot of Dauphin, Tri Family Health Beauty and Fine Gifts of the Paw, and Hearts to Nature Photography. Welcome back to Real Conversations here in Dauphin, Manitoba. I'm, of course, Tamara Michelle, and I have our special guest today. I guess I'm the special guest because I'm at Farmer John's uh, out on the farm to learn some more about kind of the old ways. Um, you were calling it more of like a holistic type farming. And yeah. we're into yeah, we're into springtime. So yeah. if you want to maybe kind of start off with you, we're talking a little bit about your uh, winter rye. Yeah, it's um, it looks like it came through the winter quite well. It's um, time will tell, but it's it looks a lot better than the winter wheat does. That's for sure, and it's um, I'm quite pleased with it. So that's great. It's uh, it's a great tool. Like we don't have to seed this spring, so with the price of inputs and stuff, we the fuel we used last year was a lot cheaper than to put it in than this year. So. And um, I guess that kind of brings me to like another question, which we haven't really talked about, um, with the costs uh, rising, um, fertilizer, seed, uh, all the things that you need fuel, right? All the things that you use, uh, at, like you call them input. Um, how is that looking for you? Because it's great that you got ahead on your winter ride, but of course there's going to be a seed and fields that you are preparing for. Um, and how many acres do you farm? Oh, we farm about just over 750, uh, roughly, under between 750 and 800, somewhere around there. And um, I've got about 140 acres of rye in. So, but I'm, I've got some fertilizer book, but it's at a at a really high, about double what it paid last year. It's going to cost a lot, to, to, and I there's going to be some trouble getting some of the chemicals. They're already telling me that I might be hard time even Roundup could be glyphosate. Uh, some of the chemicals we use could be short, and um, it's going to be an interesting. There's a lot of moving parts this year that are coming together with the fertilizer with the war in Ukraine and availability of fertilizer supplies from Russia and potash supplies, and uh, the prices just keep seem to just keep going up. So, right. The problem's going to be if the price of fertilizer keeps going up and in, in our seed and our what we get for the grain we grow starts coming down, and we don't get a good crop, and that's that's where the problem is. The margin gets pretty tight. So, um, I was doing a little bit of reading. Don't ask me how or why. I ended up reading a little bit about the agricultural. Uh, it was in a news story, and they were actually saying that. Um, because Ukraine is not able to do a lot of the farming, and they're a big, like a, a worldwide contributor for export of all sorts of grains. I think it was sunflower, mm-hmm. sunflower, any sunflower products, uh, of course, wheat. Um, I don't know about canola, but I know that those two for sure. Yeah. Um, and they feed the world. And so there's going to be a shortage, which I would think would drive up prices you know, hopefully that will compensate for you with some of the extra expenses you're going to be carrying. Right. Um, yeah, they, they're they they're the leader in sunflower oil. Who, who knew that? I didn't know that until. So they grow a lot of sunflowers over there. So, And the wheat is the problem. And um, countries like Egypt used to get a lot of wheat from them, and they're they're struggling. So, the, yeah, these the ripple effect is coming all around us. And um, 
prices that we get for our grain are, are somewhat up, but um, it's it's a long ways to harvest. So we and they're trying to seed over there right now, but they're, they've, they've, there's landmines and some of the, the, the tanks have destroyed a lot of the most of their a lot of their wheat crops are winter crops. They grow they like winter wheat and winter barley and winter they seed it in the fall and they're so there's not a lot of spring seeded other than the sunflowers and some wheat and some maybe some corn. I'm not sure exactly, but. Yeah, that's uh, caused a lot of problems, that's for sure. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, so you were talking about the um, the fall rye that you have here. We were talking about the land, um, and we were saying that you do more of a holistic farming. Can you touch on that? Uh, and, and when this land was actually secured by your father uh, to farm... Yeah, well, the paperwork here, I thought it was 1932, but it was April 6th, 1933, so almost 90 years. Yeah. <laughs> and he bought this where we're sitting here, and um, it's been in the family here ever since. And, uh, and yeah, we still just um, farm it a little more, try to keep the birds happy, and um, I, I don't like to farm right to the edge of the fields. We leave um, headlands and buffer strips around all the fields, and... Uh, try to grow a more diverse rotation of crops as opposed to just wheat and canola which and soybeans which is a big three around here now so we're trying to um, mix things up and it, it's good because then you don't use as many chemicals by using this it kind of messes it especially when you put winter cereals into the mix it, it messes up the nature cycle so the weeds aren't are, are kind of thrown off guard and they don't the, the winter the winter crops choke them out quicker and that means you don't have to use as much chemical I'm not organic but I try to keep the chemical use down by using winter cereals you can save a lot of chemicals and not spray any in that year that you grow it so that that's that's helpful and it's just a lot of the birds like to nest in there and you're not working the soil and um it's just a little hard to sometimes find markets for it because it's not a lot of places locally here buy it, so we have to ship, especially the fall rye has to be shipped quite a ways away to, to markets, but um, that's... And your fall rye is special because I say special in the aspect that we're in the world of, of having a seed vault uh, where, you know, when a couple of the main corporations for farming own all the seed in the world and, and they kind of, you know, they hide it so that they, yeah. they can make money every year so the farmer has to buy seed every seed. year. And so um, you were saying that you had to go great distance to get this fall rye seed uh, because you can actually keep it and reseed your field year after year. Yeah, it's non-hybrid. Um, there was a bit of a demand because of the because of the fall. There was quite a bit of rye, so there was a, sh a bit of a shortage of the regular rye seed around here and got cleaned out, so I had to drive about three hours away just to the next province to, to pick up this um, open, like, old-school rye. Like, it's not... So you can keep this seed and, and re-clean it up, and you're not at the mercy of... And when you... The, the, the hybrid rye, they make you buy it with treatment on it, too. It's got chemically treated with... To, and so that's another cost. And um, With the desiccation, which you're talking about? No, the, the seed would be treated oh. with, uh, like, a chemical that's supposed to help for some kind of disease or something. But I, oh. that means you can't put your hat... You can't touch the seed. You, you need to be wearing gloves because it's got... Uh, wow. It's, it's, it's slightly, you know, it's... Whereas when the bear seed, it's just, you, I've never treated rye seed, and I don't know why they, but that's what they're, they're going, because they do that with the canola, they do that with the soybeans, you buy it treated, and it's hybrid, you buy new seed every year, and that's just the way it is, and, they're con and they can set the price on you, whereas the open pollinated, it's, it's more of a traditional 
and you're not dealing with um, hybridization or any kind of a modification. Like it's just, yeah. Okay. And we're going to just go to, um, we were out on the field a bit earlier, so we're just going to go to that clip now so people can see uh, where the winter rye is, what it looks like, and um, and then we'll be right back. It's taking our territories here, I guess. So I'm with farmer John Hardman and uh, I came out to visit with him today to talk a little bit about farming and kind of farming the old way. Um, we came to look at your, it's uh, winter wheat, fall no rye. fall rye, pardon rye. me. Um, so we came to talk about the fall rye and uh, you were just explaining to me some of the things that are showing signs of spring. Um, you planted this late in the season last year. Late September, yeah. Right, and um, if you can take a look, you can already see green. Yeah. And so it's already coming up. You said not actively yet. It hasn't broken dormancy, it's still dormant, I would say. But that, that went in, it looked like this last fall and now it, it sat there and it's amazing how it stayed so nice and green and that's a good sign. And it just stays green like that under the snow? Yep. That's incredible when you think about it. Yeah. And you don't have problems with, I guess we had so much snow you wouldn't have had problems, but the, the deer don't come and eat it not, or? No, now, now and you can see they've munched on this. There's, there's places where they, you can see they've munched a little bit here. They've chewed some of the... That right in here, there's some chewing there. Oh, you can chewed, see. They've chewed the, see that, that's been chewed off? Yes. They just kind of munch and graze it like, like a salad, like a green for a salad. Sure, I bet it tastes pretty darn good, hey? You see the tracks here, they're all over here, like, they're moving through here, and, uh, but it's, um, and this is, this is not hybrid rye, this is open pollinated, this is old, like, not, not modified, not, or, not genetically not, modified? Not, and hybrid, I don't know how they get the hybrid, but means you have to buy new seed every year, and I don't like that. So, so you keep your old seed? I, I had to go buy seed, and I had to drive all the way up by Kenora, Saskatchewan to get this. It was a long ways to get it. But, but you can... Pro, uh, pro you can, I, could, I could clean this up and reseed it right away in the fall. Like, you don't have to, like, after this, you know, it, it could be clean. Whereas hybrid, if it was hybrid, you can't, you can't reseed hybrid. You have to buy new seed every year. Right, so. right. That's their way to keep their monopoly on, uh, the, they do, on seed, they right? First to make corn money. And then... So, uh, beans and now canola, they've done all these crops. And then also with the, um, what is that called when they the desiccate the fields, right? It's all yeah. genetically modified to take to the chemical. Right. Right? To... This is old school rye. This is yeah. a really old old crop. It's uh, very hardy and it's um, it's good for because we're not going to work this. So you're going to get a lot of uh, potential ducks and uh, ground nesting birds that are going to like this because I'm yeah. not going to be working this field. Like, yeah. So. So it's so this is basically almost a wildlife habitat then, to well, a degree, right? Yeah, Ducks Unlimited really promotes it a lot because as a as a whole in Western Canada because it's good for the ducks and and generally other birds too. But yeah, like meadowlarks and other a lot of ground nesting birds that will and prairie chickens and things like that. So. So tell me, John, where do you get your passion for wildlife? And like, is this something that was handed down generally generationally with uh, your parents or your uh, or is it dad. just? Yeah, my dad. Because I know you you shared with me like along your river bre you pardon me along the riverbed, for example, um, you've left a lot of the greenery, a lot of the like you don't farm right up to the river. No. You always make sure to leave uh, a space for the wildlife. Yeah. Um, and it also helps the riverbed as well. So it doesn't gully your fields and yeah, we're seeing a lot of soil degradation this spring. A lot of farms. It's showing up with all the snow. It ran off the field and just between here and Dauphin, you'll see. It's so sitting in the ditches? They've cut about so deep and there's this great big dirt that they, because they farm right to the edge and they don't leave 
like the, the, this to for the ditch it, to, to, to filter it to stop it from cutting if i was if you farm this right there too you might see you might see some of this thing in my oh run off because when the water comes it, it, it but with but with the grasses it, it slows it down it, it's it's a filter effect it, it just can't run that fast yes and, get and cut and make gullies and put all your dirt in the ditch where you can't reclaim it so so we're trying to uh, keep the dirt in the fields and not have this problem in the spring with by by leaving these um, you know wide strips of grass, whatever you want to call them, headland, whatever. Yeah. For sure. But this this is really good in this year, especially this year with the price of inputs and stuff being high, this is already seeded, so. So you're ahead of the game? So we just got to spend some money on fertilizer and um, and we're gonna, we're already doing variable rate where we, which is which is what we're trying to do, or put the fertilizer where it's needed. And there's about four or five zones in this field. So you'll put, it'll the machine can vary the fertilizer so it can, put it where it's needed not where, it, where it's not, not waste it so we're not just going to blanket the same amount across the whole field we're going to it's going to vary from the high spots to the low spots which is parts of that whole there's a whole four hour movement right now right 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 place right time and right right amount yes because the government wants us to cut back on our fertilizer use so by by me doing this what they call variable rate i'm trying to do my part to not just you know put excessive amounts of fertilizer on parts of the field that have no potential to to, to yield well so because we saw it tested and we, we you saw it test in the same spot every time you uh, they grid sample they use GPS and they're, they're, they're taking samples from exactly the same spot every yes. year and that gives them these zones in this field and there's about four in this field I think they have four I think it's four zones one two three four and they the machine is the computer just automatically adjusts the it's pretty cool so that's amazing. Yeah, that would be with that um, uh, egg. Is it that 360 Consulting? 360 does my work for me, yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah the Wendy, floor, she's wonderful. Wendy, she, yeah, she's, but she, well, Kevin Thompson works here, but Wendy works in the west, west more towards Gilbert Plains. Okay. And, uh, I, I know her quite well, too, but, but then they use the floater, the big machine with the big fat tires, you know? Yeah. And it'll just, um, the computer just automatically opens and shuts the gate. It's really kind of, in it, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Very cool. And that's what we're going to try and do here, and, um, and uh, so we won't be working this field. It'll just uh, take advantage of the early moisture here, and hopefully it will be breaking dormancy here shortly, I would think. Once yep. we get some warm weather, it's just been too cold. It, it, there's no new growth here yet. Right. But there's potential. So, so um, Farmer John, we took a walk out to um, the, you have winter wheat as well. Mm -hmm. And you were saying it's a little bit of a different story for how it's looking right now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was seeded onto a summer fallow field, which was like cultivated the year before. And so it was black, there was to, to control the weeds. And, um, and we seeded it quite a bit earlier. It was seeded at the beginning of September, probably around the fifth or so, something like that. So it, 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 it achieved a much more of a growth stage than the, the stuff we seeded later. But you want that when you're seeding on, because on, to, to for winter hardiness, you need more of a plant stand going into winter. If you're going to seed on a bare field, you want a, a more robust, uh, more leaves, a stronger plant. So we did that. and um, But just because it's brown doesn't mean it's dead. And just because it's green doesn't mean it's alive. That's the old saying with winter cereals. So okay. you, you you can't judge it. You, you you need to... people. A lot of people are pretty quick to write it off. And uh, I've been growing winter wheat since 96, I guess. So And rye since about 95. So you um, some years it can look really tough, but it, 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 will, it will come through for you. And in most cases, it, it's... By you destroying it and putting a spring crop in, you you would have been farther ahead if you would have left it. In most cases, 
So it's a bit know, of a gamble then. It, it is. Okay. So I see. And if, if, if it doesn't make it this year, normally I would be reseeding to canola, but because the seed cost and fertilizer is so high, it's debatable. I might either go into like a... Um, Possibly soybeans because you don't use any nitrogen. Okay. Soybeans are fixed on nitrogen, so we could put a seed if, if some of the sweet doesn't make it, which is not a normal thing that I would do, but just to keep the, something growing there. Um, yeah. So. Plus, I guess the risk because it was uh, land that was cleared, right? right. Uh, and it was mm -hmm. flattened. I know you said you had rolled it. Packed it, yeah. It was packed, so you don't want to have any soil erosion in no. that area. And then you had also said that you have that, um, you have the, the river right now is kind of, it's yeah, got snow-packed yeah, ice. The, the creek has... Your crooked creek? The crooked creek has found a new path of least resistance through the field, what I call it the north field. There's some of the... Some of the oldest, that's one of my oldest broken fields on the quarter, I think, because, um, and, and some of that soil is getting, it's, it's getting, every time it goes through there, it keeps kind of lowering a little bit, so mm -hmm. it's uh, it's not good, but um, it's just, we had such a snowpack this year that it just, when it comes, when it starts, it's been good, it's been slow, which is helpful, but uh, having the creek run through your field, um, you know, Not ideal, it's hey? No, and winter wheat can, winter wheat actually seems to be able to stand wet feet a little better than fall rye, a little bit, but they still you can't, they can't stand in water for an extended period of time and, and expect to come out of it. So right, right. Um, hmm. So then, uh, with this unprecedented amount of snow this last year, uh, speak to that a little bit as a farmer in the local area. Um, your hands on in, in all of your fields. So how do you figure, like, it was really quite dry coming into the fall, was it not? Yeah, we, we picked up a few, some rain in the fall, but um, this snow, a lot of it did run into the fields, and I'm noticing that the low holes, the potholes are, the frost doesn't seem to be, it seems to be soaking in well, and we, we need this for a recharge, but we're going to need some timely rains this spring right around here because this is lighter land, and um, it doesn't have as much clay as some of the heavier soils up towards town here, and uh, so we're we're more we're more um, reliant on, on timely spring rains on this later soil but the snowpack helps but a lot of it's in big you saw that big drift over by that oak tree there and, mm -hmm. and that that's tremendous we haven't had drifts like that for 15 10 or 15 20 years I don't know it's been quite a while so okay so that that's going to be um, interesting um, but you saw also you took a picture of that to show the green underneath there where mm -hmm. the snow disappeared you can see that on the winter wheat how it was held the green color underneath all that snow so mm -hmm. so hopefully yeah. yeah um you have 750 more or less acres Give or take, yeah. that you're farming um now you're going to be doing your winter wheat uh your winter rye right and then what other things are you called it fall rye fall, fall rye yeah we call it fall so we'll have there's fall rye there's there's two fields of winter wheat if, if they make it yeah we'll be seeding some spring wheat uh, some canola and some flax and possibly some oats or beans if depending on how how the winter wheat this one 40 acre field might have to be reseeded to either something else depending on how much I can afford for fertilizer or right. if I can get seed there is some problems with seed shortages too there's some because of the, such a short crop last year there's not a lot of um, seed for like to, to, to grow like to, to purchase so mm -hmm. and I I haven't cleaned up my own wheat and I I have in the past but the last few years I've just been I just buy certified seed every year so 
Um, but because of the drought, there's some. I've already got my seed. I think I've got okay, but it's the reseed part that could be a challenge. So. And and getting it on demand, right? And getting it. In, like if you show up, it yeah, might already be taken yeah. by another farmer that and was in line ahead of you. You, you. you can't just go into the elevator and, and take a truck and ask for a load of for life. You haven't either booked it or ordered or prepaid. Spoken for it or prepaid or made arrangements for it. It's there's not a lot of wiggle room for like just extra like that. You have to. Have <laughs> kind of be in the lineup and they know that you're like it's not like in years past like i said we're kind of coming together it's sort of like a perfect storm of yeah. high inputs high fuel shortages mm-hmm. um other and then the extra cost that you have to come up with ahead of time yeah before you can get uh the benefit right, right. the reap your rewards so to speak so you spoke a little bit about um or we were talking about summer following and um also crop rotation now i don't know the the, the big kind of industrial farmers like this is what i would call it um they don't do a lot of that nowadays right they just kind of put in the seed and they they, they generally put in their you know their nitrogen and then right. like all the all the different things that they think it right. needs um so explain to me you do it kind of the old way and why is it that you've chosen to do that well it just has a fit here i think um i micromanage this farm that we've got like 14 fields i think over the whole farm here and a lot of people would say that you know generally people farm a whole quarter they just corner to corner but i we break the fields up based on how, like, I know the fields pretty well. I've worked them since I was a kid, and we know kind of where the high spots and the low spots and where you can grow. Some fields we can grow winter wheat on. Some fields are more suitable because they're more exposed. Um, so you pick your fields where you put your winter crops, and you you, you, um, you get a more diverse um, um like a monoculture where this wheat and canola that that's that can be a problem you get disease problems building up and by trying to mix things up we um it's just better for the environment and better for the um and um we're we're also like i think i told you we're trying to do some variable rate on our fertilizer on the on the when we top dress on this fall ride because the, the federal government is going to mandate that we we cut back on our our use of fertilizers and we 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 put it where it needs to be so the the computer and the machine when they're driving they they can give it by soil testing you know where there are better parts of the field and you give the you put the fertilizer where it's where it's beneficial and where it's not very needed like on the higher knolls you'll put less Mm -hmm. so you're not just blanketing the whole field with this with excess fertilizer in places and so i think that's that's helpful too but not many people are are embracing that just from what I'm hearing, I, I don't know. It's um, technology's there, and um, my drill I can't do with the drill, but we can do it with the fertilizer. So um, mm-hmm. uh, we we try to, um, like I said, mix up the economy, or mix up the um, mix up the the um, portfolio of, of crops that we grow, so that we can um, you know take advantage of some of the fields that. In some fields, I can't. Um, like I said, they're more suitable for some crops, and by mixing them up, we um, we kind of throw nature for a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> and, and keep the overuse of chemicals try to limit to a minimum. To a minimum. Not not totally organic, but just um, keep keep them as they say. Keep the tool in your toolbox. If you don't have to spray, that's one year where you didn't put a chemical on that field. So that that's a good thing. So. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, I guess in closing, um, the one last thing I wanted to talk about, and we'll touch on this, I think, a little bit more in the future. Um, You have, as part of your land, you have the original homestead that your father built. 
right here in your farmyard. Yeah, in this yard, yeah, he built the house here and... Um, I think you said your wife is sewing in there right now. She's you have in the sewing. And yeah, yeah, and I, make, uh, I I build my Lego models over there and um, your winter projects. Winter projects, yeah, yeah and um, it's kind of um, my sister plays the piano over there when she comes home, and um, so it's um, he, he he logged all the lumber, he logged all the wood out of the Riding Mountain. He got permits and he got board a planer and he planed it all and he he took he bought a book and he. On plumbing, and he plumbed it himself. He bought a book on electricity, and he, he wired it himself. And he hmm. he did all the put all the did all the cupboards. He built the cupboards in the in the kitchen, and and he was very meticulous. And uh, and that house is it's, square it's, and strong. It's very when they laid the linoleum, the people that were were shocked at how true that house is. is less huh. than a quarter of an inch, and they said the house from 1950 it was built in 55. And they said normally when your house is that old, when they when they measure it, you know it doesn't. They were quite impressed with how. His hmm. attention to detail and meticulousness <laughs> wow. has, has shown up. And, and to learn all those trades and skills and to build. To, to do it. And he, I have the paper all the listing. Well, I showed the, one of the plumbers here, and he, he's broken down all the all the T's, and he went to Brant Winnipeg and bought a lot of the stuff, all the copper and all the... He, he's carefully listed out what he needed to plumb it. And they, they told me he's done a good job. He's kind of overdone it. He's kind of used better quality than than you, sh- than you would normally put in a house like that but it's to, and because it's covered in aluminum there's doesn't have to reshingle and that aluminum has been on there since 55 so wow and it's the same with the barns even older and it's stood the test of time here yeah. so so it's kind of neat to be and like i said we're pushing 90 years here <laughs> in this yeah for a, a dollar an acre 160 dollars for this quarter and it took them several years to pay for it too even at that which is kind of hard to believe well that's, that's not even $160 back in, then in the dirty 30s was yeah, yeah that would have been like thousands to, maybe thousands yeah it's quite yeah. a bit of money and he, yeah. he struggled to pay for it over hmm. I think five I think they gave him five four or five years and now you you know you have 30 year mortgages now you, $160 like you couldn't even fill a card at Safeway oh, if you, you no know, you no. if you put some meat in there like you yeah, yeah or anything, it wouldn't be hard so it's this just true it's it's always strikes me it amazes me is how how the money is how different times are so yeah, yeah. very difficult times I think coming for all of us uh, yeah which uh, which probably means that you and your wife will be putting in a great big garden again this year I ho- hopefully we'll be seeing yeah, that we've got a new puppy so we're gonna have to put a fence around it but <laughs> okay <laughs> but huh. hopefully can't have a garden you can't have a farm without a garden seems to me I don't yeah. know so and I think now more than ever I think people that aren't even uh, yeah. you know well accustomed to gardening are gonna learn um, if they have Just access to the shortages and yeah. food costs are going up. Yeah, and, um, you can freeze your vegetables. You can, right. you know, uh, that stuff. Just like my grandma used to do. My baba, she was busy canning everything, freezing for the winter. And mm-hmm. now I understand why. Because they went through a lot harder times than we have. And now we're going to yeah. have to learn some of those skills. Little, so. My dad had a saying, little farm well tilled, little pockets well filled. That was his famous saying. Huh, so, I love it. So that was he. He had a, little, he had a lot of little sayings. But. Huh, I'm going to use it as a quote for the beginning of the show. I love it. So a lot oh. of pithy little sayings he used to have. So it's great. Anyway. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to visit with me today and share about your farm and farming life, uh, keeping some of the old ways uh, of farming and uh, respecting the land, nature, and wildlife. Dr. Brenna and Three Graces Medispa has been inspiring love, confidence, and health and humanity since 2019. Dr. Brenna's skin therapists have the advanced knowledge required to revitalize and rejuvenate your skin. 
Radio frequency, microneedles, chemical peels, and oxygenao superfacials are just a couple of the treatments we offer. To learn more about Dr. Brenna and Three Graces MediSpa, visit our website at threegraces.ca or call us at 204-572-5774 for a free consultation. A special thank you to Bankert Marketing for audio and video syncing, film editing, and web design. Thank you to our sponsors, Bankert Marketing, Real Security Solutions, Roofs Furniture and Appliances of Dauphin, Oil Depot of Dauphin, Tri Family Health Beauty and Fine Gifts of the Paw, and Hearts to Nature Photography. Talk to you next week.